Hey Bears fans, uh, welcome to another edition of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we are going to conduct some insipid chatter about the Bears so you don't have to. Um, today on Bears Scat, I'm calling it Growl at the Scat. <laughs> and the reason I'm doing that is because there's been a lot of growly fans out there. Yeah, the Bears are signing guys. They've got one guy that they were going to sign that they ultimately didn't because of medical issues, um, and there's there's a lot going on with the Bears. I think that Ryan Poles is doing basically what he said he was going to do. He came out and said that they were going to be big players in the second and third waves of free agency. He seemed to intimate that they weren't going to be giving out large contracts to players, and I guess we have a general manager that does what he says he's going to do, which is a nice change of pace after the last regime. But so far, we've got a lot of... Change of of pace, pun intended. (laughs) I didn't even do that on purpose, but it ended up working out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so there's there's some guys here that we can talk about. Um, Obviously, the biggest contract that was agreed to was the Ogunjobi one, and that one fell through because Larry Ogunjobi couldn't pass his physical, apparently. So, do you want to start there? Yeah, and I mean, um, for one thing, number one, I agree with Ryan Pohl's actions so far. I'm right there with you. Um, He did come right out and say how he was going to handle this. Uh, We came from a general manager who went out and made a bunch of high-dollar signings, uh, many times on players that weren't even very proven. And uh, most of them blew up in our faces. Um, This time, we have a GM that comes out and he's made it obvious that he is looking to get the Bears back uh, together financially uh, because they were in such a mess. Um, He's made it clear that he wants the team to be younger, which has been a problem uh, for most of Pace's time. And uh, he wants to be, as you said, looking for those value picks in the uh, in the lower tiers of free agency. Looking for those guys who have done uh, the Grabowski lunchbox job and they're going to get a shot at being uh, the top guy and uh, being heavier in rotation. And, and, and he's, he wants to see what kind of response he gets. Yeah, I mean, the Bears last year were the oldest team in the NFL. I think at the start of the season, at least. I'm not sure if that's where they ended up. But the point being, they had a lot of old players that weren't particularly productive. old guys. Yeah, it's when you have the oldest roster in the league and you win six games, that's not a very good (laughs) position to have your roster in. So the Bears are rebuilding. They're getting rid of those deals. They're taking some salary cap hits in 2022 to try to clear space going forward. And I think with some of the signings, what we're seeing is that, like I said, they're rebuilding, but it doesn't seem like they're tanking, which I think a lot of people use those two terms interchangeably, but that's not what the Bears are doing. I think they're trying to bring in low cost, but potentially valuable players that, you know, maybe aren't going to be great, but if they come in here and they outplay their contract and they you know, build some chemistry with Fields if they're on offense or see, see some of their play improve under Eberflus if they're on defense. They're trying to identify those guys. And part of it, too, is you just need to build out a roster, right? I mean, right. if you're going to you know, be bad, you got to play the games. Yeah, it, um, just just that point right there. Bears fans need to realize there's not that many guys on the team right now. No. I mean, we have... The most bare cupboard in the NFL uh, going into this offseason. And that is something that he's just looking at. Uh, I, you know, I got a lot of spots I got to fill right here. And I can't really go around spending huge dollars on one guy. I've got a lot of guys that need dollars. And at the same time, I don't want to put us right back into what we were just going through in 2021. I want 2023 to have a clear, more clear concept and direction than the mess that we're just coming out of. I don't think you have to prove it to any Bears fan that we're coming out of one of the worst years 
in Bears football history. Yeah, not record-wise, but certainly just in terms <laughs> of how the roster was constructed and how they just completely wasted a year of a quarterback that they took in the first round, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not like they went 2-15, and 15, but I could argue that it was worse than going 2-15. and 15. I They could have. I would have rather had them go 2-15 and 15 and actually start to develop their quarterback as opposed to just letting him kind of kind of just flounder around and not really not really pick up anything other than No, we've we've talked about that about how, you know, Nagy and Pace both seem to have this, well, we got to win now thing and it's like with what? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like when when you're trying to win now by signing Jason Peters, <laughs> it's not what you want. I mean, it, it it was a mess. There's a ton of work to do to Shout get out this to, roster to Jason Peters though for the job he did. Yeah, he got he got a paycheck and he was a lot better than anybody could have expected. Um, but yeah, I mean it it I think is going to be a situation where they are trying to keep their powder dry. Call it you know sign some guys on one year deals that hopefully play well and earn a second contract with the Bears and then I think they're going to build through the draft which is what Ryan Poles said yet again so which is what Ryan Pace said and never really did yeah well that that's exactly what I mean right it's like Ryan Pace said he was going to do a bunch of things that sounded great <laughs> and then did completely different things that true turned out to be not great right. so you you like to a lot of it was scat. Yeah, a lot of it wasn't very good. So you like to see that Ryan Poles is at least for this first period doing what he what he said he was going to do, and exactly what you said. I mean, if you're gonna need to sign guys to fill space, call it. You can sign guys that have upside. Go back to the first year of Ryan Pace's regime and look at some of the people he signed. I mean, think about. Antrell Roll or DJ Williams. <laughs> Vla- Just don't eat before you go do that. Vladimir Dukas, right? Like <laughs> he brought in a bunch of guys that their best days in the NFL were behind them, and you hope that it's the opposite here when you look at some of the guys that they're signing, like Byron Pringle or Equinemius St. Brown, some of the others. You hope that their best days in the NFL are ahead of them, and so that's what the Bears are betting on. Let's let, let's talk about those two particular players because. I feel that they generated the most uh, controversy. Now, I, I'm going to be honest. I was furious at first when I saw those two signings. It, my initial knee-jerk reaction was, what the hell? But then I took a minute and realized that this is exactly what he was fitting into his mold. And I looked and I realized... Okay, the uh, the St. Brown signing was a connection with Getze, and the Pringle signing was a connection with Poles. So we were getting these two young guys who have not been in the best situations for them. I think that's pretty obvious, just looking from the outside, for them to be the mo- the most productive players they can be. Yeah, they were behind a lot of guys on the depth chart right. in both places. And, um, you know, getting them for very, very low dollar amounts uh, and providing them with an opportunity for them to shine from guys that are, are the heads of our organization now. They... This isn't a blind signing. It's not like, hey, let's take a flyer on some player we've never seen play before. They've been up close and personal with these guys. So they know exactly who they that they're getting uh, as far as where they've come from and where they're at now. Yeah, this was exactly the type of signing that I had hoped the Bears would make. Now, I will say, and you can go back and listen to last week's episode, that I wish the Bears had done more to get a established, productive wide receiver. Last week we talked about Amari Cooper and Allen Robinson. At length. Neither of those ended up happening. Um, but I always expected that the Bears were going to have to sign several wide receivers, right? And right. that's because right now they don't have any. They have one wide receiver under contract that you feel any sort of way about, and that's Darnell Mooney, so they were always going to have to sign slash draft four or five guys, so they've done 
two free agent signings. I, I like Byron Pringle a lot. He's a guy that was, you know, lower down on the depth chart in Kansas City, lined up on the inside a lot, made a lot of plays, is really fast, can go over the middle and catch the ball, seems to be fairly dependable in terms of not dropping the balls that are thrown his way. 70% catch percentage. So I like that signing a lot, and he's like what you just described, an undrafted guy that went into Kansas City, made his way through a organization that has a lot of talent and found a way to establish himself in three years and ended up getting a second contract in the NFL with the Bears. So I like that signing a lot. My hope would be that they sign somebody else that you would have ahead of him on the depth chart, sign or draft, because I don't really know that there's anybody else that's available right now. Most of the top tier wide receivers have been signed, if not all of them. But the Bears still have two second round picks, and this is a very deep draft class in terms of wide receivers. So. Wait, wait. So uh, I, I want to cut in there real quick because uh, Bears fans, one thing that I love to do is I love to go look at the numbers. And when it comes to uh, receiver, I I love to see next-gen stats. I love to look at the numbers closely. And one of the guys that I thought was certainly worth a flyer was Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, but you know what? I looked at his numbers last year, and while uh, he caught quite a few balls, his yards his yards per catch was only 8.9. That's less than your common tight end. That's not good. It, and with, uh, with Pringle, you got a 70% catch rate at 13.5 per. That is very solid receiver numbers. And that's what you want to see. 8.9, you want to see your tight end at least at that number. Really, you want to see your tight end at a more like 10. Um, so, you know, the numbers can be skewed unless you look at them all clearly. Yeah, I, I think so. And you have to understand the context, too. I mean, I think Smith Schuster was playing with Ben Roethlisberger, who was on his last legs. Right. So, you, you don't know unless you watch these guys every day whether or not the numbers are truly representative of what they're capable of. But with Pringle, he's a guy that I think if he is able to line up in the slot and there's a couple other receivers on the field that are drawing coverage, then he's a guy that has proven he can get open and make some big plays. He's just said, what, what was his average yards per catch? 13 and a half. That's pretty good. Yeah. Especially for a slot guy. So I, I like that signing a lot. My hope would be that one of our second round picks goes to a receiver that will line up outside. So that and is then, the buzz, right? Yeah. And and so who so who are some of your favorites in the draft? Yeah. Uh, I I honestly don't watch a ton of college football at least from that lens. I mean, I watch a lot of college football, but I don't scout the guys, and I honestly haven't done a lot of draft prep work yet. I know the guy from Purdue everybody really likes, David Bell. David Bell, right. Everybody thinks he'll be there in the second round, so... His yards per catch, actually, I think is more like about 17. Yep, and I think that's a a player that has a lot of buzz. I mean, some of the top-tier guys that I think people had originally thought were going to be there for the Bears in the second round, guys like Chris Olave... Guys like the the guy from Alabama that broke his leg. I can't remember his name. But the other play, the other um, Campbell from uh, Ohio State. Is that the other one? I think so. But but those guys are probably going to be gone. Yeah. So you're not going to get one of the Jamar Chase guys that is an instant hit. I don't think that's just not going to happen. But you can certainly draft a guy in the second round that is capable of being a day one starter and being productive, and that's. What I think Ryan Poles will do, he might use both of those picks, those second-round picks on wide receivers. We'll see. I wouldn't be mad if he does because you need a lot of – you just need you, – you need, you need guys in that room that are capable of turning into productive receivers. We, I like, said, we said over and over again, you got to have somebody to catch the ball, right? Yeah. <laughs> take, take as many shots as you can because – some guys are going to get hurt, or guys are going to not live up to the potential that you see in them, and that's just what happens in the NFL, and that's 
another thing to keep in mind with a lot of these signings because I have a feeling over the next few months the Bears are going to sign a lot of guys. They're going to sign a lot of guys to you know one two year deals for one year, and the idea there is some of the things we've already talked about. You need to have a roster. You have to be able to field a team. Guys are going to get injured, so the starters on day one of training camp are not going to be the starters in week 17. And you just need to take as many shots as you can to try to get, to try to get a roster built out that has some upside potential. You don't want to just be filling space with guys that are on their last legs in the NFL or are just proven to not be capable players. And so far, at least none of the guys that the bears have signed seem to fit that category. So that's encouraging. Right. And, um, I, I mean, to me, the most broadcasted uh, shortage is receiver. Yeah. Uh, because it's such an integral part of having a successful team in the NFL. Because it is such a passing league. Um, I was uh, looking at the draft picks of for number one overall. Um in the last 20 drafts, and it was 16 of the last 20 drafts was a quarterback. Mm -hmm. The previous 20, only seven. That's how much the league has changed uh, in the last 40 years. And it, it just continues to grow that way. I don't see it, you know, ever changing. Um, it, the, it's like, how they used to look old school at, you know, you got to grind it out with the run and then be able to come up with consistent passing and maybe a big play. Now they measure everything in explosive plays, right? And most of the explosive plays you're going to see passing. Uh, When you look at the most recent Super Bowl, really that's what it came down to is – Stafford was able to deliver the ball to OBJ in the first half, and Stafford was able to deliver the ball to Cup in that fourth quarter uh, to to win it. And that's not taking anything away from the Bengals. I'm just pointing out that those two incidents, those two uh, series of plays in the Super Bowl turned out to be the difference maker. Yeah, I mean, just look at the teams that made it far in the playoffs pretty much every year, but this year in particular. You've got... The Chiefs, that have a ton of weapons and a great quarterback. Bills, same thing. Rams, same thing. Bengals. Bengals, maybe not as many household names, but they've got, obviously, the the Joe Burrow, and and then three or four wide receivers that you have to at least pay attention to when you're building out a game plan. Right. 49ers, not as good of a quarterback, but they'll still have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. Guys that are going to draw coverage. I mean, when a defensive coordinator was planning to play the Bears last year, they had to just be looking at that roster and saying, oh, this is going to be easy. I mean, every team in the NFL that you go against has two or three dynamic playmakers on offense that you have to try to figure out how to stop. When you're playing the Bears, Darnell Mooney, you've got Allen Robinson, who's out here at half half of his potential for whatever reason there, there was nobody that really worried you there was no big playmakers on the offense last year and that's a big part of the reason why the bears went six and eleven so yeah you gotta take some shots i like pringle as we've already talked about saint brown that's another really fast guy that obviously luke getsy the new offensive coordinator sees some potential in and i think it says Size something. guy too yeah he's big uh, it worries me a bit that last year I think he only had about a hundred yards receiving up in Green Bay, but he's done nothing really. No, but I mean, a lot of guys, statistically, a lot of guys behind him, or a lot of guys ahead of him on the depth chart up there, and maybe he just never built that connection with Rodgers for one reason or another. But the Bears wouldn't have signed him if Luke Getze hadn't seen something in him. Luke Getze came from Green Bay, coached St. Brown, so he must see some potential there, and. Vice versa, I don't think St. Brown would have signed here if he didn't think that Luke Getze was going to be a good offensive coordinator. So 
I think that there's very little to complain about with those two receiver signings. They're, I'll tell you what. They're one-year deals. If St. Brown even catches one touchdown, I'm a happy guy against the Packers. <laughs> I mean, that's that's going to be better than the receivers we signed last year. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So I, I think my hope is that those two... Because, because the other thing that I think happens in free agency is you've seen teams sign a guy and then immediately ask him to do something he's never done before. Right. So with Pringle, for example, he was probably third or fourth on the Chiefs' depth chart. So if you slot him in as your number two receiver here and kind of promote him in that way, then maybe he isn't as productive as he otherwise would be if the Bears go out, draft another receiver, and then Pringle can continue to play that slot receiver role that he obviously got very comfortable in in Kansas City. Right, and um, since you mentioned that, uh, we were reading uh, Courtney Cronin's uh, uh, take on Pringle, and she was making the same kind of assessment and saying, you know, that X position is where the Bears are going to have to look probably in the draft. That's where you're going to see a pick there because um, we've... I, while I believe that we have two different skill sets in Mooney and Pringle, they need another guy uh, that is more um, of a, a more of a deep threat kind of guy. Um, and I'm hoping that that guy also is what I've been asking for about that catch guy. Um, I'm hoping to see that out of Pringle. His catch percentage is really good, but I'd love to see that kind of guy come out of college and be that guy for, for fields, that safety relief valve. Yeah, they might need two more guys at receiver still. Um, if the Bears used both those second-round picks on receivers, I wouldn't be mad about it, honestly. It's that important of a position, and the Bears have so little there, not considering these two signings. Just going back to last year, you basically had to turn over that entire room, and it's one of the most important rooms in your building right now just because of the way the NFL is and especially when you're developing a young quarterback you need to provide that quarterback with enough weapons that he's not out there on his own which is what it felt like a lot of times last year and maybe they really like Darnell Mooney maybe that's another reason why they didn't go out and try to make a big splash with Amari Cooper right because when I saw what the Browns traded for Cooper I think it was a third and a fifth yeah, I, I was I I was of the opinion that the Bears should have made that trade, but no, it was, I didn't. think it was more of a fourth and a fifth. Maybe. Oh yeah, you're right. I don't think they even got a third. So yeah. I was of the opinion that the Bears should have done that because Amari Cooper, Darnell Mooney, and Byron Pringle and a draft pick. All of a sudden, that sounds like a pretty decent wide receiving group. I think they're still missing that guy at the top, but. If they think that Darnell Mooney is has that potential, then maybe that's what their approach is going to be. And they're going to say Mooney's going to be our primary guy, and we're going to draft a guy, and we're going to have these two signings, maybe one more, and maybe another person that's already at the lower end of the roster, like uh, Daz Newsome that they drafted last year. Maybe he's got some potential. Maybe that's the way they're going with this. That seems to be what... The plan is, and I guess if that's how they evaluate it, then they know more than I do. And that's uh, that's cool that you bring up Daz Newsom because I actually do hope that uh, he gets integrated into the team more. Um, he was actually a pretty fair receiver at North Carolina and uh, a pretty good punt returner as well. So I- I'm hoping at least he gets a better shot than he seemed to get last. And he wasn't. He was a draft pick, right? Yeah. Okay. I think he was seven. Seventh round. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, sixth. Okay. So, uh, uh, one thing I did want to bring up also is, so DeBear's blog, um, he, uh, is of that ilk that is saying that Mooney is going to be the focal point. He is going to be the number one. Uh, you and I have talked many times about how we don't believe that he is a number one. Um, I certainly don't think. Uh, still at this point that he's a number one but this is something that uh, that he is uh, promoting and saying that not only is uh, Mooney going to be a number one he's going to be an elite 
number one in the NFL. Uh, but he, you've seen the jumps that he has made. Uh, that was a good, you know, that's true. Mooney has gone from being a fifth rounder to um, over a thousand yards in just two seasons. Which, that's which is saying something. Yeah, that really is. And last, and think about what that means. Last year, that's a thousand yards with Matt Nagy and with Andy Dalton and with Justin Fields, and, right? And Nick Foles. So, and really being the only guy. And how many balls did he drop? By the way, that's where his weakness was. So, so if I he, think he was. I went and looked at his numbers. I think he was 12th in yards, but he was at the bottom. Uh, he was like 22 in catch percentage. So if he cleans that up, I mean, I bet he lost at least a couple hundred yards last year just on drops. Yeah. And a lot of those drops were egregious. Like nobody around him, wide open, hits him right in the hands and he drops him. Right. It seemed like he had one of those per game. So maybe... We have underestimated him a little bit just because of where he was drafted. But if they really like him, and you mentioned the Bears block, you made a good point. When you go back and look at Cooper Cup or some of the other top receivers that maybe weren't high draft picks, a lot of times it did take them a couple years to hit their stride. Like I just looked it up. Cooper Cup's second year in the league, I think he had about 600 yards of receiving. Right. And that's with Jared Goff, I believe. But. Um, it does take time for guys to develop. It's pretty rare that you see a guy step onto the field and day one he is a elite NFL receiver. Those guys are special. That's Jamar Chase. That's Justin Jefferson. Those are your top ten picks. So right. certainly not a fifth rounder. No. And so if Mooney, I mean, if he, we know he's fast, we know he runs good routes. Maybe the idea is with some better offensive game plan, and everybody says a lot of nice things about the wide receivers coach that the Bears hired, and if he can clean up some of the drops, maybe he is that high-end number one receiver. I guess we'll wait and see. I uh, think that if you're talking about top ten, that's a pretty high bar to clear. There's a lot of really, really talented wide receivers that are playing in really, really efficient offenses with good quarterbacks. So to say he's going to be top 10 in receiving, that's a lot for him to achieve. But if that's what they think, then great. Yeah, and I I think uh, it goes back to um, the, the catch percentage. And like you said, it seemed like every game there was a ball that went right to him that he just point blank dropped. If he can clean that up, he probably, if he had cleaned that up in 2021, he probably would have been in the top 10 in yards. Um, And he certainly seems like he has a next gear. Uh, They've talked to Mooney himself, and Mooney sounds like a very fired up individual with a bit of a chip on his shoulder from where he got drafted. Uh, And so he does seem like he has, I I think he is going to step it up again. Um, but I still don't know whether he's uh, that he's that guy that is your you know your your star receiver. Um, he certainly has uh, certainly has made the most out of his opportunities though, and it helps uh, that him and Fields it seem to have a good uh, rapport. I agree, and when you are developing a quarterback, you need that guy that is kind of that safety blanket. You you need somebody that, when it's third and three, you want Fields looking Mooney's way first. And uh, the hope was that guy was Allen Robinson. That's what it was with Trubisky, was it felt like Trubisky had one read, and it was, where's Robinson? And if I can't find him, then take off and run or throw it away. So, obviously, that's not ideal either. You want the quarterback to be able to go through more of a progression than that. But the point being... You need that 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 receiver there that every play you have a pretty good feeling about him at least getting open for a, a quick you know four or five yard gain. Right. That's invaluable when you're developing a quarterback because they need to be able to have that sort of pressure release when they're still learning a scheme. And, and that was the problem with um, with Robinson, and that was before he came to Chicago. Uh, his catch percentage was lower than his 
his catches, uh, I mean, he, he has been a receiver that has gotten a lot of targets throughout his career. And, uh, but his catch percentage has always been, uh, while he's been in the top 10 in yards and catches, he's always been outside the top 10 in his catch percentage. His number has always been uh, in that mid-60s range, even low-60s range, which is which is surprising because when you look at Robinson, you, you kind of, he, he leads the league, I guess, for maybe the last three seasons in contested catches. Mm-hmm. I, I read that uh, somewhere, and it's like, that, that was the kind of stuff he did, right? He'd make spectacular catches. But then there'd also be times when Trubisky would throw on the ball over the middle and he'd be like, and it was like, what are you doing? That That's a first down for us. We needed that. We needed that on third down. And it, the ball would be right, right in his hands and he'd drop it. Yep. So, and he got a big deal from the Rams. So I have a feeling he's going to be a very productive receiver over the next couple of years and We'll probably continue to take shots at the Bears, so that'll, yeah. be, that'll be fun to watch. Yeah. Now, watch. at the same time, though, I don't expect Cooper Cup to slow down at all. No. That that um, They've made it very clear that Stafford Cup is, is as good as any duo has been in the last 10 years. Yeah, clearly. I mean, he, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be a Ram for a long time, and that offense is probably going to be pretty darn good again. So that's... That's just a very clear illustration. Like, go back to the first week of last year when the Bears played the Rams and the Rams just smoked us. That's that's what you're going for. That's right. the goal in the NFL is to have an offense that looks like that. And the Bears are very far from that still. But hopefully with some of these signings, it's a step in the right direction. And with all these guys, since they're one-year contracts, the idea is that if they come here and they play well this year, then the Bears give them a big contract next year when they have a lot more salary cap space. So with Byron Pringle, he signed a one-year, $4 million guaranteed. If he comes here and has 1,000 yards this year, the Bears will give him a multi-year contract after that. So that's the goal. That's another benefit of this is these guys seem to be coming in on something of a prove-it deal where, hey, you've had some opportunities that you've done well with. Here's your chance to be the one of the building blocks of the Bears. Come in here, play your best, and we'll give you a big contract if it works out. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, about polls and the uh, and the deal with um, foresight, right? Because you know there was a lot of talk about how polls uh, should have. Should have seen what was going to happen with Ogunjobi coming, and uh, I, I definitely disagree with that. <laughs> I I feel like um, instead I choose to look at it from the perspective that Poles saw an exciting young player, which Ogunjobi across the board was regarded as one coming into this off season. He made a beeline to him to get that guy on on the first day, right? And it was like, yeah, let's bring this exciting young three technique, a player of need. Like the most important position on the defense. The most important position for our new defensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, immediately address that. I That's what I saw. And the fact that he didn't make the physical... Uh, Polls immediately addressed it to the public, to the Bears fans, really, and said, hey, we we think this is a really good guy. We think he's a good player, but we needed him to be able to pass this physical, and he doesn't. Well, and there have been some people criticizing Ryan Poles, like you said, and I can't really wrap my head around that. I, I think that the takeaway from this is that it sucks for everybody. It right. sucks for Larry Ogunjobi because he's not going to get that big deal from the Bears. It sucks for the Bears because they obviously identified him as a priority, gave him or agreed to terms with a contract with him and just the medical That was above market out. value. Yeah, and I, I think anybody criticizing the Bears in this case doesn't really understand how the process works. So in free agency the first step is you agree to terms with the player. So 
you agree on the length of the contract, how much the player is going to get paid every year. Guaranteed. How much money is guaranteed. And once you agree to terms, then you sign a contract pending a successful physical. And a lot of times the physical's a formality, but during that physical, it's kind of like buying a house, right? When every house that you buy, if it gets inspected, there's going to be things on the inspection. Right. And that's true with NFL players because football is a brutal game and it takes a toll on a player's health. So the Bears doctors go in, they perform their physical, they write up their findings, they say, hey, we think that this player has a risk of this injury or that injury, or this is what his knee looks like. And with Ogan Joby, he's coming off of an injury in the playoffs. He had an ankle injury that kept him out of the Super Bowl and I think a couple other playoff games. And so they likely looked at that, and I assume that injury is why he failed his physical. It could have been for some other reason, too. Um, You know, maybe they found some heart issue, or it's not good to speculate, but... We don't know what ultimately caused them to fail that physical, but what happens is the doctors do their write-up, they summarize their findings, they give it to the general manager, and then the general manager has to decide, based on this information, is it worth taking the risk to sign this player, yes or no? Obviously, in this case, Ryan Poles decided no. And and right along with that is is that Poles... Uh, well, you know, found out the information and immediately addressed it. What yeah. more can you do? Yeah. He said, you know what? Uh, I think you're a great player. I think you're a good guy. We came to you in earnest, but this has got to be. And y- you don't, f- you, you, you right now are not ready to do it. And we need to move on. And yeah. And um, he could have easily said, all right, the doctors say this, but. I already, like, this is my first signing. I want this to go through. I'm going to take the risk. And then it would have blown up later if Ogunjobi came in and wasn't healthy because then you've committed to an injured player that is not going to live up to that contract. He could have done that. He could have said, the doctors say this. I disagree. We're going to sign him anyway. But instead, he did what seems like the smart thing, which is to back out of the contract. And that's another thing I'm seeing is people are, well, this is his first free agent signing and it was a mistake. It's like, no, he was never signed. He was never signed. He, 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 his signing was contingent upon him passing a physical, which he did not do. So yes, the bears had agreed to terms, but the contract was never signed. And therefore there's no consequences to the bears other than they don't get the player. But if the player wasn't healthy, then you don't want the player, right? Right, and you know, so along those lines, uh, you know, when would you when would you rather deal with this? Give him the money, have him come in, and he doesn't play. Uh, I think we've all, as Bears fans, seen that multiple times, yep. and then we're really going, what what were you thinking when you brought this guy in? I mean, actually, to a certain extent, it happened last year with Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, I was right? just about to make that exact same exactly. Point. So. Um, you know, so this year we, we saw it a bit differently and we saw the, the GM say, you know what, this, this doesn't, this doesn't work for us. We need somebody right now. And so we're just going to have to pass on you and we're going to have to look at somebody else. And so they went and looked at uh, Justin Jones. And while Justin Jones doesn't have the numbers that Joby does, he is younger. Um, and he does have a good reputation coming out of the Chargers. Uh, he does have some very decent numbers for limited play. And he, he has increased his numbers and his play over the last three seasons. Yeah, I like Justin Jones. One last point on Ogunjobi. It's, the, the only risk is that it could potentially be perceived that maybe the Bears had second thoughts on the contract and they used the physical as a way to back out of it. Which... It could happen conceivably True. in the NFL, but I think if that had happened, we'd have heard something about it by now. The Ogan Joby news broke over 24 hours ago, and if his representation disagreed with what the Bears did, they either would have put out a statement or they would have leaked something to Schefter. They would have said, hey, this was unfair. The Bears screwed over our client. They were just doing this, this, and this. I think the fact that we haven't heard anything like that 
is probably a pretty good indication that there were some legit medical and, risks. You know, there was a and it, at the at the same time on the flip side, we saw something unusual during this off season already with Randy Gregory agreeing to terms yeah. with the Cowboys. Some kind of language being put in his contract at the last minute. And, whoa, uh, hey, he's been talking to Denver the whole time. And just, like, flipped the script and went and signed with them. How many times do you see that happen? Pretty, yeah, I mean, that was a weird one, too. I think it was pretty similar contract, if you remember, to the one that Roquan Smith was holding out over. Yeah. Because I suppose it's standard language in NFL contracts that... When a player is signed, they have a certain amount of money they could earn, and yep. then they have a certain amount that's guaranteed. Yep. So if you guarantee somebody $50 million, that's what that player will earn as a minimum over the term of that contract. But there's some language that teams like to throw in there that if you get suspended or if you fail a drug test or if you get arrested, then we can void those guarantees. And the players have been pushing back against that language saying, no... If you guarantee me a certain amount of money, if I'm out there playing, I shouldn't be at risk of losing those guarantees because then they're not truly guarantees. So you could argue which side is right over that. I certainly see both sides to it. But yeah, that was a really strange situation where it was the opposite sort of of what we were just talking about with Ogunjobi where the player Smith. Um, you know, Smith stunted his rookie season because of that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, he was a hard holdout because of that. And as you said, it, it came down to that guaranteed money. Uh, his, I remember it being something to do with uh, injury, um, you know, you know, him uh, getting his money no matter what. That's, yeah. what. that's what it basically boiled down to. And uh, eventually they, they came to some kind of understanding on it. And Smith has turned out to be a, a very good, if not great, player for the Bears. And looks like he'll definitely be a, a candidate for uh, an, a big deal come next year. Yep. Maybe even before the season this year. Yeah. Um, but And, and now, uh, because of polls, we're actually in position to give him the kind of deal that he, he should deserve on his second contract. You hope so. The unfortunate thing with Joby was that with that signing, the Bears at least had two of the most important positions in Matt Eberflus's 4-3 system filled. Yeah. They would have had Ogunjobi as the three technique, which think of that as Tommy Harris, and they would have had Roquan Smith as the weak side linebacker. So think of that as Lance Briggs. And so they and so they uh, did they they have made a, a solid linebacker signing yeah. in Nick Morrow. Uh, and we'll, you know, be hearing more about him. I, I looked at his numbers. Solid player. Um, not spectacular, but um, is out on the field all the time. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, those are those are positions that we also know are going to be uh, it addressed more in the draft. Uh, I would expect us to draft another defensive tackle. I would expect us to draft uh, a lineman. I would expect us to draft an edge guy. I would expect us to draft a receiver. Um, you know. Wherever they are, we've got six picks. Um, those are some of the positions that need addressed. And hopefully, and you know, we're not even close to done with free agency yet. I mean, there's there's still other guys out there. It, they're just not the, the big names. I actually, I'd actually am not expecting them to draft a ton on the defensive side of the ball. I think they'll draft a couple, but I think they're going to prioritize that offense still. I mean, at least one more receiver. Offensive line is another big one. I wouldn't be shocked if they take another tight end later in the draft. I mean, that could be with Cole Komet. We'll see with him. I think people are still of the mind that he could potentially be a pretty good NFL player, but you need more than one tight end, especially if you're going to be prioritizing offense. So we'll see. I uh, also liked the signing of Logan Patrick from the Packers. He was the offensive lineman they've signed. He, played guard and center. Both Seems guard like, positions. Yeah, so he's versatile, which is good, and that means you've at least, you've got two two players now, Cody Whitehair and Logan Patrick, that have played both guard and center, so that's good. And um, uh, 
actually, Rogers even said some really nice things about that kid. A lot of people seem to really like him. He seems like the the type of guy that Bears fans will enjoy because he seems like a very hard-nosed, just offensive lineman. I just want to go out there and take somebody's head off. (laughs) So those guys are always fun. I mean, the fact that he signed a $4 million contract means he's probably not anything too special, but seems like somebody that will at least be a starter on the line and is capable. So we need those positions filled. You need guys in here that can play that can play NFL level offensive line and hopefully stay healthy. Um, I think right now you can probably say he's going to be on the line and white hair is going to be there. And I think Tevin Jenkins will still get a shot, but you still need a couple more positions to fill. And then you're going to need a couple backups too, because offensive linemen get injured. So we got to see more to do there. We got to see what happens with Borum. Um, uh, The, the kid has obviously got some talent. He did, you know, he did decently last year, especially just being thrown into the fire. Um, and, you know, maybe he moves, maybe he shifts inside. Maybe, uh, uh, we don't know yet. I mean, we still have a, a severe lack of information as to how that will roll out. Now, uh, I was reading that, um, you know, the, the new guy there, um, he is played, you know, three different positions, but I guess the, the, uh, the rumor is is that he's going to be center. And that's fine. The Bears, I think, need a center. Sam Mustafer, I think, is one of the players at the top of my list that probably won't be back. I, I think he yeah. did admirably as an undrafted free agent, and he'll get another job in the NFL, but it seems to be a consensus that you could upgrade there. Borum, I think played pretty well, all things considered, last year. Like you said, a, a rookie that was drafted in the fifth round that was starting, I think, pretty much from week one. Yep. And I think he did okay. His problem's going to be Ryan Poles came out and described what he likes in offensive linemen, and that's smaller, faster guys. And Larry Borum is very big. <laughs> Larry <laughs> Borum's like 340 pounds. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's a fit in terms of what the Bears are going to want to do, but that might just be a situation where they've got a guy that can at least go out there and give you snaps and maybe you don't want to cut ties with a player like that. You already got the card in your hand, and so you're going to have to play it. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. I mean, he might be back to a backup role even, depending on how else they fill in these positions. Could be swing tackle. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the thing I like about uh, Patrick, too, is you know we talked a lot about James Daniels, and he went and signed a big deal with Pittsburgh. Not actually as big as I thought, but I think he still got yeah. what nine million bucks a year. Yeah, and you get Logan Patrick for yeah, he, four. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was smaller than they thought it was going to be, but yeah, but yeah, but Patrick is half of it. Yeah, so he's so you save a few million bucks, and is anybody really going to notice a difference there? I doubt it. No, I, I don't think so. Um, I think that. Uh, I, I certainly would have liked to have seen us uh, uh, keep him, but it wasn't. It obviously, was not what um, Paul's vision is for the team, and that's what we're following right now. And that's one thing is that I want Bears fans to just uh, chill for a second and give this guy some time. Uh, I mean, there's already this uh, undercurrent of of anger uh, aimed at polls uh, on uh, on Twitter that it's like the guy is just starting, you know, and yeah. he's starting from disaster level. So it, it would be one thing if he was coming in and making all these changes uh, like our last GM did. I, I mean, I, for one, remember when he came in and gave uh, our, our starting kicker the boot uh, I mean, Robbie Gold still is still playing, and uh, he gave him the boot. Uh, but he's not. He's getting rid of guys that are not a fit for what his for what the team is going to be. And of course, the biggest one, uh, you know, Mac just was not a fit anymore. Um, we needed to get something out of him, and they needed to get those dollars off the books. I'm interested to see now, with the signing of Muhammad, the defensive lineman from the Colts, what that means for Robert Quinn. 
because I'm of the mind that they should try to trade Quinn as well and see if they can get a couple more draft picks. Just because I think you can probably only realistically count on Robert Quinn for a couple more years. And right. I, I think at least next year the Bears probably aren't going to be competing for a Super Bowl. So having a older pass rusher isn't necessarily aligned with how I think the team is looking from a just competitive timeline standpoint. So, and I think he has some value just because he had a good year last year. And I don't think you'd get as much as he got for Mac, but I think sell high. I think you'd get yeah three, maybe a third round pick or something like that from a well, team you, that. And you were talking about you know the AFC is stacked. Oh my gosh, stacked right. So, but um, I, I've seen some uh, posts specifically about Quinn going to the AFC to some of those teams that do need that uh, situational pass rusher. Um, and his stock couldn't be higher. Quinn's stock couldn't be higher. So it's like, oh, we, you know, Mac just came into that uh, to that arena. Uh, you know, we want our own Mac. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, with with Quinn, it's about as as close as you're going to get for uh, for less money. Yeah, I mean, the AFC's got six or seven teams that I could see coming out of that conference. It is stacked. Yeah, and. That's probably not even including the team that did just win the NFC, the Bengals, right? I right. Mean, the Bengals, uh, the Browns now with Deshaun Watson. Everybody in the AFC West is really good. That that conference is just stacked. Yeah. The the NFC, right, is, is a little softer, more top-heavy. But your point being that there are several teams that are looking to contend for a Super Bowl in the other conference that could use a guy like Robert Quinn that maybe he's only got a year or two left, but... Last year was still incredibly productive. I mean, he set the Bears' record for sacks. Look so. at what Von Miller got. Oh, my God. And um, I don't think that there's a question of who had a better season last year, you know? Exactly. Um, not to, uh, Also, uh, Quinn is younger. Yep. You know, so uh, I, I think that, uh, me personally, I think Von Miller's deal is crazy. Uh, I mean, I haven't looked super deep into it, but uh, it's just like, Wow, it seemed like when he went to Los Angeles, he was borderline, uh, you know, looking to retire. Uh, but I thought that was going to be his last year. I did too. He just signed a six-year contract. <laughs> like you said, I'm sure there's a lot of fluff in that deal. Right. I'd be surprised if he plays more than a couple of years for the Bills. It's, it's probably a one-year deal with a lot of fluff. But yeah. but regardless, um, it, it, he they 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 paid for him. And uh, more than I thought he would get, and so yeah, you know, looking for uh, looking for somebody courting a, a, an edge player uh, coming off a great year. I think that's a smart move. I think it's smart to look at it as you know, what can we get for this guy while we still can get something for for him, and um, it definitely draft picks is something that we need. Now, there, you, you have some guys out there that are going to say, well, why would you want to do that? Why do you want to take a chance on somebody that's a that's an unknown when you've got somebody who did have 18 and a half sacks last year and, you know, is under contract? And I also see that side, too, uh, when it comes to Matt, uh, when it, pardon me, when it comes to Quinn because of the year that he had. But Quinn's history of having two years in a row like that is kind of ancient. It, it, he hasn't done that in many years. We got to remember this is a guy that two years ago had two. Well, and it's all about timeline, right? It's the twenty twenty two Chicago Bears are not going to be very good. More, no. more most likely, it, it's a team that's going to be interesting for Bears fans, but. They'll probably win some that they shouldn't, and they're going to lose some that they shouldn't. Yeah, I think more than likely they'll be around 500, maybe a little bit below. Unless Justin Fields takes a huge next step, then maybe you could see them getting Which into the playoffs. Which is possible. Maybe, but... Not probable, but, but possible. But even so, they're not going to win a Super Bowl next year. No. And Robert Quinn is going to be 32, and is just a matter of fact in the NFL that once players start getting into their 30s, sometimes they can lose that 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 step pretty quick. And a lot of times there's not a lot of gradual declines in the NFL. <laughs> you go from being really productive to not very productive pretty you, darn fast. You go from 
having 18 and a half sacks to be an Orlando Pace. Yeah, so if 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 <laughs> you don't think you can win a Super Bowl next year, then you're looking to 2023 and do you think you can realistically count on Robert Quinn to still be productive in 2023? Maybe he is. Maybe, maybe he is. Maybe he's good for another 4 years, but you can also like the Bears are in position to find out find that out in anyway. No, so if you've got other options and you can clean up the salary cap and get some draft picks, if Robert Quinn isn't aligned with your competitive window, then that's the prudent move. Yeah, that's how it, I view it. And and it does seem like polls, uh, at least to me, he he does seem like he is approaching this with the the long term methodical method that is such a difference compared to the previous regime. It seems and, like it seems like he's got a plan. Yeah, it does. And I want to be patient for that plan because that will bring more fruits than what we have seen in the recent past. We need to see that slow growth and set up more for 2023 or perhaps even 2024 uh than Try and getting gratification out of 2022 because it's just not going to happen. They're not instantly going to become contenders. They're not going to do the flip the script that we actually have seen the Bears do. They're not going to do that kind of turnaround. It's that the team is in just too rough of a spot to see to see that kind of jump. And that doesn't mean it can't be a fun year. No. If... if- Fields is fun, and if Mooney turns into a top 10 receiver, and if Byron Pringle's exciting, and if they draft a couple guys on offense that give you something, and... Montgomery, Herbert, one-two punch. I mean, it could be a very fun year. It's just, I I don't think that the Bears are going to be that team that goes from worst to first, like happens in the NFL every year, just because they were so bad last year. Cole Sheehan could become Cole Komet. That'd be fun. Like, so... (laughs) It's not that next year is going to be a, a disaster. I think far from it. It's not going to be the 2016 Bears that went 3-13, and 13, I don't think. But I also don't think that it's possible to turn this roster around all in one year. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but I just think that there's too far to go. And I think next year is a, a rebuilding year. Hopefully you get some things that you're excited about still, and then it's it's full steam ahead in 2023 when you've got $100 million of salary cap space. Yeah, the, um, that's one thing uh, that he is setting up so huge. Uh, the Bears are going to have some real power in the financial world when next year rolls around. But even just focusing on this year, he's making it manageable. The Bears are still going to be in the top 10 uh, as far as dollars available, uh, top top twelve at least, and that's still a pretty huge difference just compared to even one season ago. So the fact that he has made significant progress, digging himself out of what I think most people would agree was a pretty dark hole, uh, you know, that to me presents a, a much more positive outlook than what we've seen recently. I, I think so. I think if you contrast it with the last regime, for the first couple of years of Ryan Pace, there seemed to be no plan. And then he drafted <laughs> Mitch and went all in. And then after that, you were kind of just chasing that 2018 magic. And it always just felt like it was kind of a year-to-year thing where you were just going to try to do what you can to maximize that year's team. And that's ultimately how you get into the position that the Bears were in when... They had three or four guys on the roster that you felt good about. So everything that I've seen so far from polls makes me think that he at least is going to be a bit more methodical than Ryan Pace and that his decisions are going to be hopefully a bit better thought out. So that's exciting. Yeah. That's what we wanted. That's that's what everyone hoped for. um, You mentioned it. Uh, One thing that we still are looking for is we want a clearer picture of number one. I mean that's what that's where that loss from 2021 happened. That was the real loss was we had our young stud rookie uh that we're supposed to see lead us to the promised land 
And after a year, we have no idea what we have with them. And yep. that is just a shame. And I think we'll know. I think we'll have a much better idea after next year. I think the organization is going to handle it better. I think that there's going to be more resources in place. I think that the game planning is going to be better. And I think we'll know going into year three if Fields is the guy or not. Yeah, it'll be a much clearer picture. Well, we won't be dealing with Andy Dalton getting first team reps in the preseason. <laughs> So uh, that does it for this week, uh, fans. Uh, obviously, we'll be covering uh, more free agency, and the draft is not very far away. So we'll start looking at that. Uh, hopefully, um, uh, we'll be able to get a clear picture on what he's going to do with those uh, two second-round picks, which is, to me, uh, a lot a lot brighter outlook than it was just a few weeks ago. So. Heck yeah, we're making progress. All right, later.